We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm up your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Hey, CMOS girlies. It is a Sunday night that we are Saturday night. It's a Saturday. (laughs) Wake up, Emma. Okay. I'm sleepy. Already one magnesium glass down, one gem bite down. So girl, we're potty. You should have done something upper. What are you thinking? Listen, I'm tired. I woke, I woke up. I slept in. I slept until eight. I know there's going to be a sea of people being like, you slept in, you consider 8am sleeping in. Yes, I do. She's a working girl. Yeah. I'm a working girl. You know, I work by nine to five, so I have to have a five to nine. Um, right. I feel like the people on TikTok say, but oh God, those are dystopian. I hate yeah, those. those freak me out. I'm like, I would never glamorize my five to nine because it's not glamorous whatsoever. But if you also have a five to nine before your nine to five, um, yeah, I feel, yeah. You those gotta, thing about those five to nine videos though, is like, bitch we're just washing our dishes those are like basic things to do and you're making like a little jump cut video yeah all the editing that goes into it I I watched a video like that today and this guy was like my after gym like routine it didn't include like him making a smoothie or anything it literally was like 10 different shots of him walking into the door taking off his shirt getting in the shower you didn't even see like a skincare that was it it's really weird how we like try to glam. Not, I don't even know if people are trying to glamorize when they like record every regular, typical daily human task. I'm like, we don't need to see a million people washing your dishes. Like that's not revolutionary. Well, it's like all of the, the really basic stuff. And you know, once again, listen to this. A lot, not a lot of people have access to clean water, right? But if you're on TikTok, I'm sure you probably do. So when people post stuff of like, oh, I'm drinking water. It's like, yeah, that's kind of a really low bar thing we are all doing. Like, why are we filming it? Like you said, it's very odd. But on the sleepy note, um, yeah, I also like overdosed on ashwagandha before we uh, started recording in my little dessert moment. So that kind of brings us into my first point. Well, my little dessert was actually I made like a, a, a weird like protein pancake thing because going home to Minnesota and I have a bunch of eggs and I was like, I could make this into a sweet thing. But this gets into my first point, which is like 
let's talk about dusts, ladies. We make a lot of memes about those miscellaneous dusts sitting in your pantry. As you guys know, a lot of these dusts are like one teaspoon serving size. Have I ever measured out a teaspoon serving size in my life? No. Maybe if I'm baking and I'm using baking powder for a recipe, when am I doing that? Never. I have consumed, I want to guess, a half cup of maca powder in a day. Yeah, easily. Uh, Okay, so that's that. I definitely just had two tablespoons of ashwagandha and it was supposed to be a half teaspoon, according to Moon Juice, Moon Juice mothership over there. What? I don't know. I really don't feel the effects of adaptogens unless one, I take a huge abstinence of taking them. And like, we've done podcasts about this of like, you should not use adaptogens year round. You should just use them in targeted periods. So yeah, I haven't taken ashwagandha in like a few weeks now, even months perhaps. And so I took like two tablespoons, but I'm just like, is this, why am I not feeling it? I do feel a little bit sleepy now, but um, yeah, just let us know in the comments below if you, uh, if you eat a lot of maca powder, because I find myself getting a sack of it every six days. <laughs> yeah, Kate and I are always at the grocery store, either for like cucumbers, mackerel, blueberries. or maca powder or blueberries. Yeah, Bro, one of those yeah. four. My next note is I'm going home to Minnesota, and so my mom asked me for like a grocery list. And I'm only going home for a week for my sister's wedding, but I sent her a list of like the groceries that I think were like staples, right? Like I'll eat whatever they're cooking, but kind of like for other meals, like what stuff do I typically eat? It was just like the most Gwyneth Paltrow fucking list in the book. I had mackerel, blueberries, walnuts, coconut aminos, nutritional yeast. Oh, I didn't text her nutritional yeast. I need to fucking do that because she will not have that. Um, apple cider vinegar, sauerkraut. Like, and I'll buy my seed cycling mix and like coffee when I get there. But I was just like, wow, I really just gooped myself with that fucking list. Dude, the seed cycling mix is actually like traveling it's so stupid how imperative me having my seat cycling is like I hate that I depend on it so much but yeah. traveling it's like yeah do I want to just bring a bunch of random nuts and seeds with me do I want to blend them and add them into a jar do I want to just like buy stuff from Whole Foods when I get there the seat cycling transportation while traveling is confusing for me I think I'm gonna just go to Whole Foods and just get sacks when I'm there luckily I'll have access to bulk but um who knows? It's always a mystery when you go home because it's kind of like, what am I going to want to eat? I yeah. just texted her, OMG, I also need nutritional yeast. And I sent like a, a cat emoji and she goes, KK, sounds good. Love so, that. Yeah. I, feel like I was in Chicago and Lawrence and Iowa, God, what, like last week and just the food, the food moments that I had, great. But I stayed with my brother in his college apartment in Lawrence, Kansas. And the way boys do not load up their fridge is blows my mind. I'm telling you guys, I was so desperate for a snack and there was nothing in his apartment and like no one is back on campus yet. So none of like the food places on campus are open. I, I, there's a moment where I was dipping carrots into sugar-free barbecue sauce, bro. (laughs) It was so dark. And I was just like, I need a snack. And this is all that there's available to me. But yeah, it's like I, I would open his fridge. I'm like, Clifford, this doesn't even actually make sense to me. Like, like I don't know do with these things. Doing this. Yeah. But um, regardless, I'll kind of get into my points. Yeah, Chicago was fun. I had some good food moments. I think it was good for me to kind of get out of routine. I think a lot of people can probably relate to this, Kate, too. Like, I'm a very routine-oriented person. I live alone, so I get to do everything on my own terms 24-7. And I kind of forget how privilege and lucky I am to be able to do that and so whenever I travel it's like a huge test for a like my patience but also I think it's good because it helps me realize like okay you're not gonna die if you don't get to do like xyz today 
Um, but then I think it helps you like realize how much you do appreciate your routine when you return back home and everything. I like don't enjoy vacations really that much at all. To be completely honest, I'm just like, well, I'd rather, I honestly would rather just like work and be busy, which maybe that's toxic of me, but it's like hard for me to like really just chill out. Um, but anyway, Chicago was cool, but the layout of Chicago, oh my God, that is all my brother bonded on, bonded over the entire time. Girlies still live in Chicago. Love you. Like, you know, great city and everything, but y'all need a grid system. Y'all cannot have these windy ass roads. I do not understand. Like there was a moment where my brother and I were just like walking down like a street that was like a street that you could walk on. And then I'm like, at one point we're just like on the interstate, like walking through the interstate, no, um, light what are those things called traffic lights to like yeah that, that's traffic. true midwest though like the, yeah no i mean i felt like in that moment i was like i feel like i'm in omaha um yeah, you actually walk on the highway another thing that i noticed too is that a lot of the neighborhoods um also everything's like a 45 minute walk i don't know why regardless if you even want to take the subway i feel like your subway there it's like also just like 45 minutes and i'm like okay like there's no speedy form of transportation um yeah. like, none of the neighborhoods really blend into each other like i feel like in new york there's a good flow like yeah, it's obvious when you're in like Chinatown and Soho, but I think like everything kind of mixes, but in Chicago, it did not have a good flow in my opinion. So this is just like my general critique on Chicago. Um, I'm sorry that I have a very like coastal elite um, point of view on this, but also another fun thing, Kate and I got um, continuous glucose monitors from Levels and put mine on what, yesterday? Kate is too and scared to put hers on. <laughs> I read the instruction. There's about eight layers of health you have to get through to go on. Yeah. Also, like for people who know, or just, I just want to like disclaimer, like Kate and I were like sent these, like I would never actually buy one on my own because I think it's also yeah. like, we're interviewing like, someone. You don't need to be like tracking your glucose level, especially when you're in your twenties. I don't feel. No, we're interviewing levels for the podcast. Yeah. They wanted to send us us so we would know what the product looks like when we're interviewing them and asking them questions. Just because it is a really interesting thing. Like we did the whole episode on fitness trackers. I've purchased two fitness trackers of my own, the Whoop and the Garmin. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't put mine on because it's some thick ass thing on your arm. And I, one, didn't want to get a tan line. And two, going home to Minnesota for my sister's wedding. And I do not want to have a fucking continuous glucose monitor in the photos at my sister's wedding. I thought that would be dumb as hell of me. So I've just been too intimidated to put mine on. Yeah, it's kind of dorky looking, but I guess it's been kind of fun to have some like real-time data and you get like alerts when your glucose levels like drop really low and it's normal for them to drop really low like at night. And so like it woke me up because I like went below 70 or something. I was like, what the fuck is this alert? Um, but yeah, so Kate, I'm excited for you to experience yours once you put it on. Yeah. My only data that I've been, and this is kind of relates to the podcast about alcohol. I have one other thing to shit post talk about, but, um, shit post shit talk about, but, uh, I have a whoop fitness tracker, which is the sleep tracker if anyone's aware. And so it gives you a recovery score, uh, zero to a hundred. You want to be at a hundred every single day when you wake up, like it accounts for how much sleep you're getting. If it's deep sleep, what your resting heart rate variability is when you wake up. So like every morning you'll get a score and I have noticed I've gone on dates and that's like pretty much the only time I drink alcohol. And most of the time on a date, I get one drink, right? Not doing that much, but I don't drink often. So it affects me a lot. You know, when you wake up and after a date, I let myself sleep in and I got seven hours and 47 minutes of sleep, right? Which would be like, it was a hundred percent of my sleep made filled up for that day or the morning when I woke up. My recovery score was 32% out of a hundred. It was like in the red and I never had gotten that before. I go on a different date, whatever, throughout like this time I've had my levels and the same thing fucking happened. I've only been in the red zones 
even though I, one time I, you know, didn't drink and I went to bed, took my magnesium. I got five hours of sleep. I still had an 80% recovery with no alcohol, but even if I get a lot of sleep and I drink, it like fucks up my recovery a lot. So that's just one note that I like learned from my levels, which I thought was a really interesting data point. Obviously it wouldn't be true for like everyone, but, um, I thought that was really interesting. My other point is I'm going home to Minnesota. So we go to the Minnesota state fair. If any of the Minnesota girlies are listening or Midwest girlies, perhaps, or if you live in Texas, y'all have a really big state fair too. So I'm going to be eating a turkey leg on a stick, bacon dipped in chocolate. It's going to be the most unwellness culture related thing, right? Like I'm taking all my adaptogens now and I'm just going to have like the most fried food. It's going to be the perfect yin and yang when I go back there. And then my last point is like, hell on earth is this powdered bone broth that I bought from Whole Foods. And you may be thinking, Kate, powdered bone broth, why'd you buy that shit? Well, bone broth is really fucking expensive and I'm too lazy to make my own bone broth. Yes, I should fucking learn. And I, my mom is probably going to punch me in the face to learn how much I spent on bone broth, right? I love it. And I love taking it, whatever. I saw at Whole Foods, they had a powdered version and I thought, wow, this is so cost-effective. $27. It's like 30 servings or something of that range. You take a, a dry scoop of this bone broth powder, mix it with hot water and drink it. The thing is, it is like, does not fucking mix at all. I have my, like my, uh, one of those whisks, electronic whisks yes. to mix my bone broth powder and yuck. It is the dis- most disgusting period uh, thing that I have probably purchased in a very long time. And this brings me to the point of items that I will always pay premium for. And now I think bone broth is in that category, unfortunately. Um, here are some things that I will not pay premium purchase on that some of you guys do though. Sauces. I am never buying a $8 salad dressing whatever. I got my apple cider vinegar. I got my miso paste. I got my tahini. I can mix it all up. I don't need a fancy sauce. On that same vein, a fancy mustard. I convinced myself, I gaslighted myself a few years ago into thinking that this fermented mustard that was $14 for like a few ounces from Dark Horse was going to change my life. It didn't. Vinegars. I am not buying an expensive vinegar. Vinegar is one of the cheapest fucking foods you can buy, and I will not be paying premium on that. So that was just my uh, wellness check for you guys of, like, never buy this powdered bone broth from Whole Foods. Emma, we need a bone broth sponsor, uh, if you're listening. Yeah. Who's that one that we always buy? Um, the one that I buy is located where all the sauerkraut and, like, vegan cheeses are in Whole Foods, and I don't know what the brand name is. Oh, that one, yeah. But I'm thinking the one that's in, like, the boxes, the kettle Oh, something. um, like, kettle and fire, maybe? Kettle and fire. If your intern is listening to this, send out Emma and I some bone broth. Okay. Love your shit. Love the turmeric ginger one. Love the, it's like a jalapeno one or the lemongrass ginger one. Love that one. And last note is that supple is supple's happening, baby. Follow the Instagram. You'll see the updates. Now Emma and I did sign an NDA. Uh, so we can't share a lot. I actually was thinking about that as we started to answer some questions on the Instagram. And I said, Whoa, baby. We got an NDA sign here. We can't actually share a lot of stuff. Okay, but but I feel like we were saying, we were answering those questions before we signed the NDA, so I think we're fine. But now we're kind of locked into place. Um, yeah. Yeah, the whole supple thing, it's kind of wild. And I haven't fully processed it, but I'm yeah, like, me too. oh, yeah. wow, there's a lot of things that Kate and I need to do. And or it's just like the next stage of our life too. I think that's more of it for me, where I'm just like, we've dreamed of having this like yeah. next chapter. And then it's like here and I'm like, 
what? It doesn't feel as like Clement. Like it's not like some super like, oh my God, we did it. It's just very like, oh, I guess we're doing it now. Yeah, we're going to figure it out. Um, I mean, obviously this is just the start and <laughs> we haven't really gone very far, but things are in motion, ladies. We're and moving, baby. Boys. We're moving. But today's episode is about alcohol if you tapped in. So a lot of you guys, I think, have been requesting this more from the aspect of like the social drinking, just because, you know, a lot of the CMOS girlies are ripe age of being in college. Maybe you're just out of college. You're going out in a new big city, taking on the town and you're like, I'm a wellness god and alcohol is whatever and I'm socially awkward or something like that. Um, well, we got a podcast for you, baby. You're going to learn about the gut-brain axis and alcohol. You're going to learn about a lot of stuff and kind of how Emma and I, I think, you know, view alcohol on a personal level and like how it relates to our life because, you know, we both are in New York. We're both 23, yet we are these little wellness gods. And I think it's a it's a really pertinent subject that I don't think a lot of very young people are talking about in like a smart way. It's very yeah. like one dimensional. So yeah, dog. Um, well, I hope Emma wakes up from her magnesium induced mm-hmm. drowsiness oh, and, and I hope the ashwagandha starts, I just start sweating it out. So I'm ready to pod, but we will, we will tap back in and I'll call you back and let's get this show on the road. Let's do it. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, CMOS Grillies. We have to tell you all about our favorite new plant-based protein powder by Sprout Living. They're so delicious, so clean, and really much more than just your standard protein powder. Now, what really makes them different is that they avoid a lot of the unnecessary additives that many others on the market use. That means they don't use any gums, thickeners, or natural flavoring, which isn't really natural at all. Instead, they only use real, whole superfoods and adaptogens, which is great because it makes the blends multifunctional. Their Epic Protein Pro Collagen Blend, for example, also contains ingredients that help boost the body's own natural production of collagen. How cool is that? They have tons of different flavors. There's truly something for everyone to love. Check them out and use the code CMOSGRILLIES for 20% off your order. Our next partner is a product that Emma and I take every single day. I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted to find a greens powder that actually blended together. The taste is hands down the best greens powder I've been able to find. It even has a mild tropical taste and you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, adaptogens, you name it. For me, I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great. I've always known that taking a greens powder is a great addition to one's wellness routine, but I could just never get past the unpleasant taste. This completely changed once I started taking Athletic Greens. It tastes so good that I actually look forward to drinking it every morning, something I never knew was possible. 
Plus, Athletic Greens contains dairy-free probiotics. And let me tell you, my digestion has never been better. Another thing that Emma and I love is that it's the one thing with the best things. Athletic Greens uses the best of best products based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testing. It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go visit athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right. We're here to chat about alcohol. So I saw this article on Twitter a few weeks ago. I'm going to talk about a few like media things that I saw like while we were researching this podcast. So the first is this article on CNN and the headline was like super buzzy and it got kind of like pushed back because it was one of those articles that has like a really buzzy headline, but not much meat in the article. And it said, no amount of alcohol is healthy if you are younger than 40. And the rationale behind this was mostly due to alcohol related deaths by car accidents, injury and homicide. And the group that it was citing for like the medical institution was the Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation. It took 30 years of data on people ages 15 to 95 from over 200 countries. So it was a decently big sample size and it was a like not a, you know, funded organization that was pushing this data. Like it wasn't GIA, like the sparkling aperitif, like pushing this. It was like a a nonpartisan group, whatever. Um, And so it was gathered to kind of track like what's the cause of premature death. But the way that it was, you know, as everything on the internet, the way that it was shared on Twitter was just like really stupid where people were like, no alcohol is healthy. If you're younger, you're going to die. Like, no, people were fear mongering with the article. So it was kind of stupid. Um, But it made me think a lot about drinking culture in the U.S. And we're going to get more of like talking about this with specifically with Gen Z towards the latter part of the episode. And Emma and I don't really drink like CMOS really is probably not a lot of you drink. Being sober had been very uncool in culture for like a very long time. And we're going to talk about that shift to like sober curious and dry January and like all these things later. Um, But I was just interested in like reading the stats that most Americans drink with about at least one third of Americans having at least one drink a day, which is crazy to think like that's that much of the population. Now, like what that drink was, like what time of day it was, like a glass of wine with dinner could be like the drink of choice, right? Um. Also during the pandemic and how that like accelerated alcohol consumption, right? Or it also accelerated like sobriety as well. Um, In the US, it showed that drinking among adults generally rose during the pandemic, particularly with women. And there's about like a 41 increase in what are called like heavy drinking days. So that would just be like a lot of alcohol consumed in a very short period of time. So makes sense, right? Everyone was locked down. The state of the world was very uncertain in the early days of the pandemic and makes sense, right? Why like alcohol increased. Um, there was this one, I've talked about this on TikTok. I don't know if some of the CMS girls, I'm sure follow me, but there was a quote by a few girls that have a podcast and they were talking about drinking and sobriety. And they made the quote of like, if you don't have an alcohol problem, being sober is not cool. And that was like pissed off a lot of people, right? Like on the internet for them to just say that. Um, and I made a video kind of talking about my experience with alcohol. And I think a lot of people really related just kind of like culturally, it's very interesting because I think well, my parents are growing up, like, if you were sober, just, you know, not because you were an alcoholic, and you went to AA or something like that, but you just decided, like, I don't want to drink tonight, 
a lot different than I think now where like I think a lot more people are opting out to drink just for various reasons and I think a lot of people feel more confident in asserting themselves of like yeah I'm sober I don't really care or like I don't want to drink tonight sorry and I think culturally I think the ways have like even though like we're saying like more people started drinking during the pandemic and those heavy drinking days increased I think this the kind of case for sobriety that's not induced by alcoholism is like kind of started it's also not as much of a taboo I feel like too like people are more accepting of it yeah or like people aren't like asking you to like like questioning as much. yeah so to get into more of the health and wellness stuff with those two things in like the background um how does alcohol affect the body you know I had a really actually shitty time it's funny whenever we do these episodes I always like think back to whatever sort of like health class I took in ninth grade where you like learn what a vagina is you know and I feel like we talked a little bit about alcohol and they just try to like fearmonger you to like not drink um yeah so how does alcohol affect the body you'll get the lesson now so alcohol affects your body quickly it's absorbed through the lining of your stomach into your bloodstream I feel like we've all heard that once it's in there it goes to all your tissues throughout your body it releases to your brain in five minutes, starts to affect you within 10 minutes. So that obviously varies on like body composition, gender, race, all that type of stuff. After alcohol is in your body for 20 minutes, your liver starts processing it. Liver can metabolize about an ounce of alcohol per hour. The blood alcohol level to zero point or 0.08 is the legal limit for drinking. I feel like I learned this a lot in driver's ed. That would feel like the number was ingrained into my head there. And it takes about five and a half hours for alcohol to leave your system. One thing that's interesting, though, is that alcohol will stay in your urine for up to 80 hours and in the hair follicles for up to three months. Fun fact that I didn't know. Doesn't really matter, but I just thought, I thought you guys should fucking know. Uh, to get into the more specific body parts, we're going to break it up here. So I'm going to start off with alcohol and brain, which I think a lot of people are very curious about, kind of speaking about that first article where it was like, oh, my God, no alcohol is healthy. Like, my brain is going to fall apart, whatever. So the short-term effects of, like, after you drink, it interferes with the brain's communication pathways makes sense like I feel like those are over dramatized in tv and movies of like you have balance issues the coordination issues shirt slurred speech kind of like I'm talking now (laughs) but I'm talking too quickly um alcohol is a depressant so it's a downer it slows down the signals between your different brain neurons and that's why you know all of your coordination and stuff is off alcohol also slows down your GABA neurotransmitters which is the result of the slurred speech also results in the lethargic movements and your reduced reaction time. So that's like whenever they do those like drunk driving videos. Sorry, I'm using that as such a reference. I always remember they would like get people out of the car and like make them walk in a straight line and do stuff. And they were like so over dramatized and like so funny. And like all the boys would be laughing in middle school because I was like, oh my God, she's so drunk. Like that's so funny. Um, but it's interesting. I'm gonna talk about this later in the pod, but it's interesting because like with the rise of Uber, our generation really doesn't have to think about drunk driving anymore. So like I wonder how that's going to change, you know, curriculum for uh, drivers at in the future, because it's not really a thing. Everyone just Ubers these days. Because um, I'll say it now, I guess. My point was that there's a reason for not drinking. We don't have the designated driver anymore. It's like, if you're going out, you're Ubering home, or you're going to drive home with someone else. And I think that used to be a reason why you would, like, abstain from drinking. My dad would always play, like, the DD uh, role in, like, his friend group. And now, like, people don't really do that um but back to alcohol in the brain so the long-term effects of it is that heavy drinking can cause cause alterations in your neurons such as reductions in their size so this is kind of like the fear-mongering once again of people like oh my god is alcohol gonna like shrink my brain does it kill brain cells technically yeah it alters your neurons of your brain and like affects how your brain is like functioning so alcohol travels once again from the stomach to the intestines through the bloodstream 
to the various organs. A lot of liver issues come from alcohol consumption. So like about 20 to 30% of heavy drinkers develop significant alcohol liver disease. Um, so that's like one of the biggest kind of related diseases to alcoholism. And so back to this like brain cells point, like the short-term effects of alcohol, even though they're like dangerous on their own. So like the slurred speech could affect you and like the coordination issues could like put you in danger. Oftentimes we think about those in a very like lighthearted way of like, oh yeah, like I was just so sloppy when I was drunk and it kind of masks the longer term damages that alcohol can cause because it's just like, oh, it's like, this only happens to me when I'm drunk and you know, you're not seeing like the long-term effects of all this accumulating over time. Just with like, same stuff with like popping pills for wellness or just like anything, you don't see the effects for a very long time. Um, so like repeated blackouts, a clear sign of excessive drinking can result in permanent damage that inhibits the brain from retaining new memories. So that's what like, the slogan of like alcohol kills your brain cells. Yes, because the blackouts are not good. And like, from my perspective, personally, drinking a blackout every weekend is so fucking normalized. I have never blacked out in my life, thank God. And it one scares me from like a perspective, I think when I was in the early college days, and I think a lot of CMOS girlies relate to this too, of like, when you're in the early college days, you probably haven't met your best friends yet, you know? I would never have felt comfortable blacking out in the presence of the people that I was friends with when I was a freshman. Those people would not have got me home safe. Those people would not even know my mom's name or like who to call in my phone if they had the chance to like make a call or something like that. It is so dangerous for like college kids to black out. And I know I'm on, I live in New York City and like enclosed college campuses could be more safe for that. But I just think it's so dangerous the next part about like binge drinking. So the definition of binge drinking is five or more drinks um, or women actually consuming four or more drinks in about two hours, two hours. So if you think about that, frat parties, darties, like people do this shit all the fucking time. Like it's, it's like obvious that some people will drink easily over four drinks in one night. And you're doing that every weekend, like the compounding of doing that all the fucking time and no one bats an eye. And lastly, like my broader point on this is like, all of this can lead to dementia. It can lead to Alzheimer's, like the liver disease. Imagine if like one food or like one item did this to us, would we still eat it? Like, I just think it's so weird that alcohol can lead to such severe problems. I'm not talking to the fact of like, oh yeah, your skin might look worse or your gut might be dysregulated. Like we're talking about dementia and Alzheimer's, which if you've had a family member have either of those, they're extremely debilitating to like, not only you, but your family and everyone. And just like, we don't fucking think twice. Cause like, oh, it's just alcohol. Like, yeah, it just got blackout every weekend. Like it's, it's so fucking scary to me that it, I don't know. And maybe I'm just sounding like such a fucking narc and I've been a straight edge my whole life, but I don't think a lot of people really give a fuck about how alcohol is just like scary generally. Yeah, no, it's definitely crazy. I think you know, my relationship to alcohol has definitely changed. And in high school, I'll be honest, I was definitely like a big drinker, but I'm happy that I got that out of my system, you know, then versus like in college, because like you said, at least like in high school, I had my close group of friends, like we kind of all like knew what we would do when we all did drink, you know, typically like at this one girl's house, we'd all spend the night. But yeah, I think your point about also like, yeah, like the whole Ubers and stuff, I feel like that's like relevant for college students, which like makes me happy, especially with like, my brother's being in college now, I sometimes worry about like how they're going to like do with, you know, drinking and being at parties. But in high school, I think like the whole idea of like the designated driver is like still obviously like very real because I don't really know 
what high schoolers are taking over, but also maybe they are. I like am so out of touch with that, you know, group now. Um, but now we're going to get kind of into alcohol and sleep and how it impacts your sleep. I feel like I have noticed a significant change in my sleep quality when I drink alcohol now more, now more than when I was younger, like in high school, like I feel like I was able to like sleep through and be fine. But like, now it's like one drink and it like goes to shit. And like Kate was talking about, you know, her sleep score, there's actually like some validity behind like why that occurs, but alcohol does have the ability to promote and inhibit sleep. And Kate pointed out a lot of reasons for why alcohol can help promote sleep because it does have sedative effects because it enhances the function of GABA, which is largely known for producing calming effects. And so it can aid in like falling and staying asleep, but drinking in excess will result in poor sleep quality and the duration of sleep, because it's going to be interrupting the sleep cycles of like both our light and deeper sleep. So we have NREM and then REM sleep. So NREM is like non-rapid eye and then REM is going to be rapid eye movement. And so REM, the REM cycle for people, a little refresher is like the cycle where, um, that's going to be most heavily impacted, um, from alcohol when it comes to these like two different cycles, but also like REM sleep is like really vital because it's like a big, you know, role in memory consolidation. It's usually where like our deepest sleep occurs versus like the NREM, but so all alcohol before bed can lead to a suppression of REM because during the first two, um, yeah, so it will suppress REM, but not so much for the other two cycles. And so this is going to lead to like kind of an imbalance of more time in this like slow, slow wave sleep cycle or NREM and less in like the REM cycle. And this is largely because in the first stages of sleep, alcohol is still going to be like largely in your bloodstream when you're first going to bed. You know, that's, you probably stopped drinking a few hours beforehand. You're in your first cycles of sleep. So the blood, so the alcohol will still remain in the bloodstream, meaning like you're still going to like feel pretty sleepy. But once you navigate kind of into this like second half of the night, once you have kind of hit or about to hit REM sleep, your alcohol levels are actually going to drop and your brain will kind of get reactivated and almost like go into overdrive. And also too, alcohol is like a diuretic, which we'll get into in a bit. So there's also like just the likelihood of you like getting up, meaning to pee, you're just like feeling extremely dehydrated and waking up from bed. But there's been a few like kind of like studies on just like how much like alcohol can impact your sleep based on like how much you drink and even just like a low amount of alcohol. So low equals about like two drinks for a man and like one for a woman can actually decrease your sleep quality by 9%. Then it's only going to like increase the more and more that you drink. And this also can like lead to insomnia and also can actually lead to dependency, how alcohol influences sleep. And again, this is because alcohol acts as a sedative and reduces sleep onset latency. So it reduces the amount of time that you need to fall asleep. So a lot of people actually utilize alcohol and kind of like self-medicate themselves with it to kind of help them in falling asleep and to like relieve insomnia. But again, since alcohol disrupts REM and creates this imbalance between the different sleep cycles, you actually, the perpetual use of alcohol as a sleep aid may actually be counterproductive as a long-term strategy as again, the alcohol disrupts your sleep quality and will just intensify the more and more alcohol that you consume. And so people who are drinking before bed will likely, you know, experience sleep, like basically insomnia and symptoms during the day, they'll feel extremely like drowsy. And so in order to kind of like counteract that, they'll then take a bunch of like stimulants or caffeine. And then in order to help them fall asleep, they'll just continue to drink more alcohol. And then it just turns into this like vicious cycle. Yeah, um, I was going to say on the vicious cycle part, another part when it comes to your brain, I think you guys know about like serotonin and dopamine, but those are the two like happy neurotransmitters. 
And so if you are starting to get the low levels of those because of like alcohol, it can contribute to low mood and trigger cravings. And then you're going to like require yourself to go back to different substance for like that pick me up. And so it also leads to, um, yeah, like you're just craving other things, but like I was saying, like drinking will like deplete the nutrients in your body because if you have low levels of neurotransmitters like serotonin and dopamine you're going to start becoming more deficient in b vitamins and amino acids so like you're depleting yourself in nutrients vicious cycle with alcoholism and it just like yeah keeps keeps going in a bad loop yeah and i think like a lot of people too i think it's really easy for a lot of people to be like oh no i'm like aware of like how much i'm drinking or i'm like i'm cautious but it is like just such a slippery slope and like addiction is so real out there and like alcohol again is can get, you know, people can easily get addicted to it and like actually have like substance abuses. And it's like really crazy. Cause I think like, as Kate has mentioned, we'll talk about more that like alcohol is so normalized that I think a lot of people probably like are able to go like basically under the radar and are like able to get away with like drinking a lot and like not get questioned about it. When in like reality, like most people probably do have a terrible like dependency on alcohol. And again, I think like, again, as you like are navigating kind of like being a younger person who is not interested in like drinking that it's like very eye-opening actually to see like whenever I'm walking home and like seeing like people like, you know, messy on the streets. I'm like, I like don't even understand how, like why you would ever want to be in that situation, but that's another conversation. Um, this kind of gets into dehydration. So again, it's going to be, it's like universally known. I think that like alcohol dehydrates you because it is a diuretic. So it's going to remove liquids from your body quicker than other liquids. And many of the hangover symptoms are associated with like this dehydration effect of alcohol. And so basically when alcohol hits the liver, this is where liver, this is where it begins to act like a diuretic. So when it's processed by the enzymes um, in our liver, the alcohol content is broken down into basically this thing called acetatolide and it becomes toxic in high doses and it can basically damage your body's DNA, this particular like enzyme or compound. And so really in order to get this removed from the body, the liver turns it into acetate. And then this acetate, just like really any other toxin, because again, alcohol is like a literal toxin, like your body does not want it in its system. And it like can't really utilize it that much for energy purposes. And so basically the acetate, just like any other toxin, like I said, the body removes it either through kind of like carbon dioxide or water via the lungs. But the other way that alcohol is also basically a diuretic is that it reduces vasperin, which is an antidiuretic hormone. And this basically function of this hormone is to hold onto water and limit the amount of urine your kidneys make. So suppressing this results in kidneys producing and releasing urine. So if you're someone who does like to drink and like, I still will drink here and there, I'm not like anti-drinking, but like, it's really important. Like, I feel like there's always like the trick of like, you drink your glass of wine, then you have a cup of water and then you get your second drink just to kind of like balance everything out. Or I know like when I was in high school, I feel like, I don't know if I should be giving like tips and tricks for like how to drink when you're a high schooler. Cause like, I'm sure audience is young, but like I would just always like chug a bunch of water before going to bed. So I wouldn't feel like shit the next morning, but that is like a good way, like for anyone who has drank, like just to chug a bunch of water. Cause like you will feel a million times better the next morning. Trust me. Yeah, well, it's interesting on that perspective because I think things like liquid IV have definitely branded themselves, them, you know, within their own content factory or just like word of mouth on the internet as being like, here's what you use when you're hungover. And I just think it's really odd for a brand to like not encourage getting hungover, but like know in the background that it's happening because like a lot of the electrolyte brands 
like they brand themselves as being something for athletes and like for athletic performance take this after you work out and they're like nah we're for the we're for the everyday american like one in three americans take a drink in a day so we're going to be the cool hip brand right um yeah it, it's just interesting also like when we use the word toxin through this episode it's not used in like a fucking goofy way it's just like literally textbook this is a toxin to your fucking body okay so no one give us shit on all uh next section is about alcohol in the gut not gonna go too in depth here because i am sick of hearing about gut health my fucking self and i'm sure y'all are too but from a digestive perspective like what does alcohol do so minimal absorption of alcohol is occurring in your mouth and esophagus 20 percent is in your stomach and 70 percent is in the small intestine of like what is actually in your stomach um it can inhibit the production of digestive enzymes and juices i think that makes sense to people it becomes more difficult for your body to break down digest and absorb nutrients from your food a lot of times this leads to partially digested food which then will cause this fermentation in your gut this is what leads to bloating and the uncomfortable feeling so it's like if you're drinking alcohol then eating something that you normally don't eat or maybe like just eating something and drinking like that can cause bloating yeah it's just like a, a foreign object entering your body Excessive alcohol can cause inflammation. Um, the, water, the wall of your gut lining becomes more permeable. So like if you're in middle school biology and you see those photos of like a, what a gut lining comes, it like looks like, and it kind of looks like those like um, sponges or when you're at the car wash and like those, you know, noodly things. That's yeah, kind of like, the noodly things. Are yeah, I'm thinking of the words here, guys. I feel like I'm playing like when you're in those one of those words games and you have to describe the word without saying the word i'm trying to give you guys a, an image of what your gut lining looks like but yeah your gut lining just comes in flame okay that was the point of my fucking dumb debacle there so the if you have chronic alcohol consumption though like this is where it can lead to the more serious stuff like bacterial overgrowth and dysbiosis the overall con- con- consumption con- composition of your gut microbiome becomes different if you're like drinking a lot just because it's like getting a brand new substance frequently um alcohol in the short term can cause acid reflux which i've had it a few times like not alcohol but it's very painful it's like very short-term episodes but it can lead to like a longer-term issue like candida overgrowth or just general bloating and gi damage and i think from a broader perspective it's like not get too wonky like your gut alcohol is killing your gut but like gi damage can lead not only to gut inflammation but it can lead to your entire body being inflamed and the times that i have noticed this is because um when i was at pt my doc the pt i had was like make sure you don't drink it's going to increase inflammation in your achilles and i was like oh like that's cool that you would like mention this i already don't really drink buddy so like check mark from me um but that's often why if you're recovering from an injury or an illness, like if you're rushed home from the hospital or something, they say not to drink because it can just like lead to inflammation everywhere else. Um, another thing is like kind of goes along with the sleep part that I'm most talking about is like chronic alcohol use can lead to a disrupted biological clock. So your circadian rhythms get all fucked up because your melatonin production is off. Yeah, so that's why you can't sleep and all that stuff. Um, going back to tying this to like the gut brain access, which you don't know, I feel like we've done episodes about this, but overall the gut-brain axis conveys like alcohol will affect your central nervous system. It's not that well established with research. Several studies kind of point that the fact that like, yeah, it will lead to inflammation in your brain and your gut when you drink alcohol, um, but it can, you know, influence your nervous system and like all these processes we've already talked about. And I think another point to consider is that like, just to round off the fact of what I was saying before is like an individual develop these different like alcohol related brain and gut issues they'll probably see them after 10 to 20 years of heavy drinking so 
it catches up to you and it's hard to see the effects and like make a change when you're in your 20s even your 30s because it takes that long for you to see what like heavy drinking can do to you so that's just kind of another like thing to keep in the background yes and i know a lot of people probably are going to ask about what about red wine I personally do love red wine. It's kind of the only alcohol that I enjoy drinking, not from like, it's, you know, few health benefits, but I just don't enjoy like hard liquor at all. I never have. Um, and I also feel like growing up, like in a, you know, Catholic household, it was like, we'll give you like a glass of wine. Cause like, that's what you drink at church or whatever. But the buzz around like red wine comes, um, the buzz around like red wine and it's like potential health benefits. I'm sure a lot of CMS girlies have heard about this really comes from like the antioxidants, AKA the polyphenols. We've done a few episodes talking about polyphenols um, that are present within red wine. And these antioxidants are going to have anti-inflammatory benefits. And there's one in particular in red wine known as Reservatol. And this is believed to have like the most heart healthy, you know, benefits. So, you know, reducing cholesterol, heart healthy, you know, stuff, whatnot. And the reason that red wine contains Reservatol is because it's derived from the skin of red grapes. And so white wine does not contain this because something that I learned is that most white wines, they have their skins removed during the fermentation process. I don't even really know how wine is made, but like cool that they keep the skins on for red wine. That's really the only reason why red wine has these health benefits because like the skin is intact. And studies have shown that like typically it's like one glass for a woman and like two for men to really maximize these health benefits. But like one thing to keep in mind is that like red wine at the end of the day is still going to be an alcohol. So anything more than that, like you're, and if you swing the pendulum too far, you're not going to reap any of the health benefits. And, you know, this is kind of like one of the most common principles of the Mediterranean diet or what we see in like the Mediterranean regions is just like a moderate consumption of like red wine, literally just like one glass with food, which I feel like is a very stark contrast to how people in America drink, where it's like yeah. drink, it's like the absence of food. You go to a bar, there's like no foods, or if like they are, they're like probably like not healthy options that you should be pairing with alcohol. Um, so I think that's like a very like interesting just like wig and like how each culture kind of you know, partakes in alcohol. And I think, you know, obviously we would all be much better if we probably followed the Mediterranean way where it was like more casual consumption with food. We kind of, you know, cared about more of the quality versus just like, I'm going to get drunk. Yeah. And I think even though people in the U S will go out and like get a glass of wine with dinner and stuff, I just think people categorize those as very different, like experiences with alcohol. Like I just think the way people would present themselves and like how much you would drink and like, even what you'd wear, like if you're going to like a fratty bar you definitely have a different intention in mind of like what you're going to do with alcohol versus if you're going to a wedding. Yeah. Like I know people get blackout at weddings or just like a fancy dinner. For example, you're going to wear like a nice dress. You're not going to like want to be sloppy, but if you go to a bar, you're just like, there's no reason for you not to be a fucking nightmare just because how bars are. So sort of how like our experiences have been, I think we've talked about this before in a few college episodes, but like I was a straight edge my whole life. I thought my parents would whoop my ass if I ever got caught with alcohol. They like actually would probably send me out of the house if I drank underage. So I never did. I was a nerd. I was athletic and I just didn't care. Like none of my friends drank. We never went to parties. That was not my vibe. When I got to college in New York, I had a fake ID and like I would go out, but I once again didn't feel comfortable with the people I was. So like one, I didn't want to pay for alcohol when I was like 18. New York is so fucking expensive. So like I'd go out with people and maybe drink if it was like more of a party, like a house party vibe, but I've never blacked out. I've never drank like probably more than two or three drinks in a setting um, with people. I have definitely now that I'm like a little bit older and more mature and feel more like confident in myself, but 
that's the thing I think New York is like very there's a lot here so you want to explore you want to go to all the bars and clubs but it's just a lot of dangerousness too if you're like bumbling home on some random street that you like have no idea what it is in the middle of Manhattan like yikes yeah I feel like me coming into college I also don't really know at what point I was like I don't really want to drink that much because I mean okay again me in high school like (laughs) I drank my friends drank there were like moments that I'm not proud of but shit happens and learning experiences and I think just like that's what you did in Nebraska um and I think coming to New York I feel like my friends and I were more interested in just like actually exploring the city during the day. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of my friends didn't have fakes right away in college. Like I remember my friends ordering fakes in our college dorm rooms and I was like, oh, I already have one. Um, And so I think because of that, also a lot of my friends in college were kind of younger than me. Um, So we would just like hang out in our apartments or just like walk around and be silly and not really drink. Um, I also think too, I never felt like I was cool enough to go to the cool establishments until like maybe now. Like I'm, if I walked, like, like not going to like name a cool establishment, but like just generally, like I would never go to Dime Square when I was fucking 18 and like go sit at like Kiki's. Like what the fuck? No way. Yeah, no I way. That pushed me away from like going out when I was younger too. Yeah, I also just feel like I didn't even have any knowledge of what the nightlife scene was like when which I was good a freshman in college, yeah. which was good. And I've never have been one to want to go to the nightclub. So I know there was like a whole segment of people in college that would go to the nightclubs and probably drink and whatnot. But like that is like an area that I did not enjoy. Like I, if I was drinking, it's like in a very like quiet setting with like people that I trust, like you said. Yeah. Um, but yeah, kind of so- my, my next point of it, I was going to talk about, I think Emma and I are speaking obviously out of asses of New York. I think in New York City, it's very interesting that like restaurants and bars and even events now serve alternatives like a guia, like a recess. These are non-alcoholic alternatives if you're not aware. And I think there's a huge shift on both coasts to like try this like lifestyle that like pride sobriety. I think for a long time it's been, you only really talk or you only really reduce your alcohol consumption if you are an alcoholic and have gone to AA you're either a problem drinker, an alcoholic, or you're a normal drinker that has no issues. And I think more and more people are starting to realize, and I think pandemic helped this too, like having a lot of time to look at your personal health habits, that there are gray areas when it comes to your dependence on alcohol. Like when are you looking for a drink? What is your mood? Like, is it to mask a problem? And like, you know, that's the same thing with like eating disorder and eating issues too. Like, why am I doing this? Is it something else? There's definitely a root cause for these behaviors. Um, and like my perspective on the whole sobriety thing, I think a lot of the CMOS girlies have been very nervous. I feel like I've gotten DMs and comments on TikTok about this too, of like, I'm going off to college and I'm scared people are going to judge me because I don't want to drink or maybe I don't want to drink as much. And like, if people are shitting on you for not drinking and you feel like you constantly have to justify for your not drinking, they probably have something that is related to alcohol with themselves that they don't have a good relationship with it. And I don't want you to like call them out and be like, why are you being an asshole? Like, I bet you have an alcohol problem. Like, that's not what I'm getting at. But I just think that it's very personal why people choose to drink and not drink. And it sucks that the burden is always put on the person that chooses not to drink of like, explain yourself to the class. Like, why are you not fucking drinking? Like, there could be hundreds of reasons. And I think one that I talked about on TikTok is like, imagine if someone had a family member that has an issue with alcoholism and has led to death and maybe that person doesn't want to drink or they just have a friend that has like a bad relationship with alcohol and they don't want to repeat that or they have an addiction issue in their family and you were just being an asshole the person that's drinking of like oh my god you're such a fucking pussy why aren't you drinking like that is so personal for you to make that assumption of someone and I think a lot of people too like don't have social hobbies that don't involve drinking which is very sad too like 
it's a fun pastime, right? But for some people, it also can be very destructive if they do get one sip of alcohol. And I think a lot of people that are in college specifically, think about hobbies you have that don't involve alcohol. If your weekends, and I've, I've dated a lot of men like this, where their entire weekend is revolving around their various encounters with alcohol. And I'm just like, it's, it's wild to me. Well, another thing that I want to point out too, is that again, like, okay, I think Kate and I were very lucky and being able to go to college in New York where there's so many other alternatives for fun things to yeah. do on the weekends. But I am thinking a lot about people who maybe be, are going to college, you know, at a very traditional college campus in the Midwest, like where it's a very small, typical college town, it's going to be a lot of just like dingy little bars. And, you know, I think where Greek life is so prevalent drinking is really involved, especially during like rush week, probably in like those first few weeks. And I know like tailgating and going to the games. And so for people who, you know, are going to those colleges, maybe you're going to be an incoming freshman, or maybe you're going to be a a junior and you're like, you know what, I don't really want to drink anymore, but like, how am I going to have fun, meet people? I definitely suggest like probably finding, you know, different clubs on campus that connect to your interests. And I know like intramural sports can be like a really good option because you can like at least find people who are maybe like also have similar interests and, you know, maybe don't care much about drinking. I think you can kind of like weed out people that way, but it is definitely going to be a bit more of a challenge. I think, especially when I was with my brother at like in Lawrence, Kansas, I was like, oh yeah, I can see why kids just drink all the time because your options for like what to do on the weekends are so limiting. Um, but I do suggest, you know, joining clubs and I think just the more you get older and the more you kind of, you know, become more confident in who you are. I think the easier it gets at standing up for yourself. And I think if you just go into college knowing that like, yeah, I might be peer pressured into situations that I don't want to be in. I think having some sort of like action plan and really trying to find a core group of friends, like right off the bat. And I think we're really lucky now with social media that you're able to find friends more easily. Cause like, I'm thinking back to my parents, you know, when they were shipped off to college, like you don't know who anyone is until like that day that you go. And I would be so freaked out to like, basically going blind, maybe only know the people from my high school and like, you know, feeling very lost if I knew I didn't want to drink, but like everyone else was going out and doing that. But just know that like, yeah, it's probably going to be really fucking hard. And like, even me going to school in New York, there was moments where like, it was extremely difficult, but everything just gets better with time. You know, being a freshman, you are the guinea pig. It fucking sucks, but just know that there is hope. Yeah, my point on that is there are some ways that are like shitty that once again, you have to do this as the sober person. But like, if you're at a party and you're holding a cup, no one's going to care. I've done that many times. And there's like water in the cup and people don't seem to care. It just is like a mental thing where they feel insecure that like someone's not having a good time, i.e. they're not drinking alcohol. So that's one thing I've done. And kind of the point of it gets easier as you get older, like people have jobs. People maybe want to take an early workout class before they go to work. It's less uncool to not drink just because I think people are more mature and there's a lot of variety of reasons of like why you're not drinking, just like, you know, life gets more complex. Like I'm saying, when you're a freshman 18, you don't have a job, you're not doing shit. Yeah. Um, But it is also interesting. And I did not think about this until people commented on my TikTok saying like, I work in corporate America and there's always a fucking emphasis on like, you got to get drinks with a new client. You have to go to social events. Like we have a kickball league for work and we all go get hammered after. Like it's in the routine of work. Now you're in a weird point where you don't want to bump up against your boss and not go do the cool social thing. So that sucks. I'm very lucky to be a freelancer and I'm my own fucking boss that I have well, to deal with. Wait, it's insane too. Cause like in my office at work, we just have beer on tap. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, why do we have beer on tap? Like who's drinking beer at yeah, work? Like during the that, work day? 
that's weird behavior. And back to the bigger point of like alcoholism in the U.S., not to sound like you're fucking Debbie Downer here, but about 15 million Americans struggle with an alcohol use disorder. And that's not like full-blown alcoholism, like what the movies is like scary in your brain of like what it is to have an issue with alcohol. But alcohol is the number one drug problem in this country too. So like alcohol is a drug, it's a toxin, as we said, it's, I wish it would be taken more seriously than other things. And that brings us to kind of the rise of like non-alcoholic alternatives and sober curious. Like if you're on TikTok, I'm sure you've seen like sober talk. I don't know. I guess I'm on it now. Like I keep getting videos about it. And what it basically means is there's been, I think, I mean, I read an article about it, which was actually interesting. It was like started from influencers that wanted to like normalize that, like you can be sober and not have to like be an alcoholic because like most time people claim that they are sober with a label is like alcoholism. And I think for me, when I was dating and like back, I I used to like not really want to drink on dates. Now I don't really care. And so I would always say like, no, I don't drink. Or like I would say, I don't know if I said the word sober, but I think some guys like thought I had an, like, I was like, I'd been through AA at age 20. And I was like, no, I just like, don't drink. I just don't drink. And I think now if I were to say that to a guy, I feel like they would just be like, oh yeah, she just doesn't want to drink tonight. So it is interesting culturally, but sober curious and kind of the rise of this movement is like allowing people to test it out, to step their foot in the toe, step their foot in the toe. That's not a fucking phrase. Step their toe in the water open the door a little bit and see what their life could be like if they did venture in sobriety. Uh, There's always been things like dry January. If you're not aware, it's like you kind of abstain from alcohol in January. And I've heard a lot of people in my personal life when they've done dry January, they continue it for like longer. They're like, oh yeah, I feel great. Like I don't feel I have like headaches and migraines and I can sleep better. So I'm just going to keep doing it. And then it kind of questions your entire relationship with alcohol or maybe how often you drink or how much you drink. Um, And Sober Curious is never seeking, like the people that started it, they didn't want to be like an alternative to medical help for actual addiction, but they just want to reduce that binary between like, you're either an alcoholic or you're like a normal person who can handle alcohol and just realize like, it's cool to like, think about like when and why you drink. I mean, it's the same thing as like, when you go through eating disorder therapy, it's like, why do I turn to food when I'm sad? Or like, why do I question this when I'm eating or whatever? It's the same kind of self-talk. And I think it's good to have that relationship with alcohol and food and exercise and like a lot of things in your life. Um, it's also very prevalent among Gen Z. Sober, like, you know, I think there's less of a stigma, like we've been saying with Gen Z to not drink. Uh, that's also kind of, you know, kind of correlated with the legalization of marijuana, that it's led to like the decline of alcohol to a certain degree that Gen Z is actually drinking at lower rates than previous generations. I also think it's kind of like a money thing too. Like going out in certain capacities can be super expensive. And I think Gen Z like doesn't want to break bank on maybe a shitty experience, maybe a fun time. I also feel like too, Gen Z, we're also way more isolated because of the internet. So I also wonder if it's because like Gen Z maybe just isn't going out as much as like other generations too. Yeah. And Another thing that was interesting from a health perspective of like thinking of these non-alcoholic alternatives, like for me, if I'm going out, I don't want to drink some God, God willing dog shit, like fermented grape juice that is supposed to taste like wine. I'm just going to drink Diet Coke or something. That's like my toxic trait or just water. You know, I don't, I don't need to drink something that masks like alcohol, but that was like the same for me when I was vegan. Like I didn't really seek out like the, the beyond meat type shit. But I guess it can be nice for you, like, if you want to feel like you're with friends and you're still drinking something that's similar to it, like, yeah, so there are some alternatives and stuff. 
um, the predicted sales of no or low alcohol beverages increases by, or is predicted to increase about like 31% in volume by 2024. The global market for non-alcoholic wine and beer is estimated to reach 35 billion by 2025. So that's interesting just from a perspective of like, if you do go out, like more restaurants will have the capacity to have non-alcoholic options. So you don't feel as like isolated. And then the next thing is interesting is like, I was thinking about this from a consumer perspective of how are non-alcoholic alternatives kind of placing themselves in the market, right? A lot of them, like Ken Euphorics kind of says like alcohol without the alcohol. Uh, but there's also ones that are like, I don't think Olipop doesn't really position itself as a non-alcoholic alternative, but it's some, some of them don't really claim to like be a substitute for it. But when you think about food claims versus supplement claims, which we talk about all the time is like making health claims on alcohol labels is actually illegal. So like you couldn't say anything that is super like fake marketing on a non-alcoholic alternative in the same way that you could on the supplement. You could say like, this enhances libido and this changes your brain chemistry. But if it's on something that is non-alcoholic, like you can't say that. So it's just interesting of like, how are these guys going to try to position themselves in the market? What are they going to do? Yeah, that's wild. I haven't honestly tried many non-alcoholic beverages. I know you've had Kia yeah. I've had kin when it didn't have Bella Hadid associated with them. Yeah, that's why um, I had to I'm kind thing. of the same way in the sense of if I I'm just gonna drink water. If I'm not in the mood to drink, like if I want to drink, I'm gonna have wine. I don't want something that's like mimicking itself as wine, just because I don't need that flavor really. But I know everyone has their own personal preferences and reasons for you know cocktails, mocktails, all of that. But just never been into the fake the fake shit yeah i think it follows the same line that uh you and i are not really uh cooks to begin with because i've seen a lot of girls make like the cute mocktails on tiktok and i've tapped through the little videos and i thought damn i will never make the effort to like get a nice glass that looks beautiful put some ice cubes in it cut a lime make a garnish i would never do that shit (laughs) so that's probably more of the reason why i'm not really into the whole like mocktail non-alcoholic thing but I think it's kind of cute if you're hosting a party for friends or a little gathering, like to have your mocktail moment, but not on that wave that much. No, me neither. And yeah, that's kind of the episode. Very meaty. And I just hope all you see mouse girlies, A, stay safe if you do drink and, you know, there's nothing wrong with drinking. And for the girlies and guys, gays, everyone who don't drink and you're about to be in college or you just like feel lonely just know that, you know, it's fucking cool to not drink. Don't worry about it. And you'll find your people that accept you for not drinking. And also it's like, if you don't drink and someone asks you, you should just ask them, well, why do you drink? And spend the the conversation onto them. Yeah. We got you in the CMOS girlies. Don't ever feel like a fucking loser. I think I had felt like a loser for a very long time of my life because I didn't drink. And I'm happy that I think there's more opportunity for people to not feel like a loser now. Um, like I felt like a loser all throughout college because I like didn't really like drinking, right? Yeah. And now I have the CMOS girlies. And now I get to make memes for y'all and chat with Emma on these podcast episodes and talk about how much mock potter I consume. Um, so I hope you guys have a lovely Tuesday and I hope you guys like whatever memes we pumped out of the meme factory today. I hope you sent us a cheeky review on Apple. I hope you're in Geneva. So if you want to make some cute friends, head over there. And we will chat with you next week. A pleasure to pod with you, Emma. Yes, a pleasure to pod. I'm about to fall asleep. So toodaloo. (laughs)
Bye. Take your magnesium. Oh, wait, we're going to have one soon for you guys. Six months, but okay, bye.